She believes that given time, given choices, they will grow. That they will learn to embrace the evolution of their souls. To embrace you. But, despite my love for her, I know that she is wrong. To them, their life is the cage, the bone and the flesh, and you are an invader. They will never volunteer to grow. The only way we can show them the errors of their ways is to force that growth upon them, to hold their eyes open and make them see. Everybody, welcome back to Risk Management, a actual play podcast that takes place in a science fiction universe with blood cults and robots and all kinds of fun stuff. I'm Steve Spaulding, here as always with my lovely co-host type co-GM person, Jess Kinghorn. Say something, Jess. Hi, what should I plug this time? Should I plug my actual publication that I wrote for? Yeah, plug whatever you want. Sure, okay, so in the past I've plugged my novella, which is I Hate Halloween, and you can find that on Kindle under the author name of J.A. Kinghorn, that's J.A. Kinghorn. And I also write for, you know, a little old rag called uh, Official PlayStation Magazine, the UK one. So you can see my lovely face and my very strange opinions about obscure games in that publication. Please, please buy our magazine, I beg you. So you can see my writing in a lot of places, and I don't feel like plugging them right now. Instead, I am going to plug At The Midnight, which is a podcast about a hotel manager who is in a really weird place. And I write for that, and Jess does the voices, and it's really cool. I think you'd like it. So go to atthemidnight.com. Okay, enough of that. Let's move on to what happened last episode. Anders and Caro finally managed to make it into the messengers of the One Mind's base of operations, and they were given integration tests. And basically, these were interview-type tests where they were asked a bunch of questions. Um, Anders went pretty well. He was talking to Jasmine Rose, who is the best recruiter for the organization, and she, you know, asked him a few questions about robots. Anders seemed to have a good time actually being able to talk about I don't know, really anything. And and they left pretty happy. Anders also kind of found out that some of the cameras around the organization might not be real. Caro had less of a good time, I suspect. <laughs> Her um, agent for integration was Luca Roja, he of the bionic eye. 
And he kind of laid into her with the question, what does it mean to be human? What makes you human? And Caro, in her quippy way, refused to answer directly. And this led to um, some pain, both physical and emotional. In the end, we learned a little bit more about Caro. And we learned that Luca has a friend, dot, 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 named Sylvester, who calls himself an android. Um, We're not really sure what that's about. Anyway, after that, they went and ate at the cafeteria, and that went pretty well. We met a couple of new characters. Brana Finn and Valerie Yoshida, if I remember correctly. Our agents got injected with some sort of, like, weird thing that um, apparently acts as a key, but also probably acts as something else. And we discovered that we're trapped inside of the messenger's building. Last but definitely not least, we met Rocco No Kids Bagney, and then they went to bed and met, I guess you would call it an assassin? <laughs> I don't really know what to really refer to this person as right now, but someone came in through the roof while they were trying to sleep and murdered someone next to them. Which, as one might expect, wasn't great news for anyone involved. So that was at about 3 o'clock in the morning, so where we're going to pick up is after that. Helen Doyle has come in, found out about the murdered person, Um, and we are sitting here with the aftermath of that scene. But before that, we should, um, spend a little time on the couch with our agents. So you want to take over, Jess? Yeah, sure. All right. Therapist voice. Therapist voice. (laughs) Thank you for coming here today, Anders. Um, last session, well, in your own words, could you briefly tell me how you felt about what happened you know this organization i was actually having a pretty good time up until this point because you know they let me talk about stuff like my feelings and you know other than you i don't really get to talk about that kind of thing that often but then someone got kind of gutted right next to us it brought me back to what this mission was actually about shooting androids and stopping blood cults So I think this event really helped to focus me, and I'm feeling pretty good about what's coming next. Well, that's that's wonderful. I'm glad you are feeling confident about whatever happens next. I can't wait to hear more from you. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share? Nah, I'm good. (laughs) Uh, okay, this is the awkward bit where I talk to myself then, I guess? Yep, sure is. Wonderful. Okay. So, Caro, as I understand it, around this time you were... Well, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but you did run into a spot of bother. You're telling me? I... Where do I begin? I... I could start with the box, but I don't really want to think about the box. Um, or the fact that he was, like, this guy was going on and on about his kids and what it means to be human and all this stuff, like, I don't, I don't, like, like, it's, it seems like an inappropriate turn of phrase, but I just want to put it in a box on a high shelf and not think about it anymore. But then it got worse. Oh boy, did it get worse. And there was, you know, I was just trying to sleep. I, 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 I was just trying to sleep. And, uh, of course, it, it couldn't be that simple couldn't be that simple uh because someone freaking died right next to me and now that's something i'm having to deal with so 
you know, it's it's only up from here, I guess. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah, now let us open up our imaginations. And I think <laughs> you're the one who's leading us on this next stage of the journey. So go for it. Last session, I believe, ended on Helen Doyle's scream. So this session, all hell is going to break loose. So it's very early morning. Like Helen is screaming. Everyone wakes up. Everyone's like, what is going on? That was probably the worst way to wake everyone up because no one has any idea what's going on. And that like some people kind of know and are kind of guessing and there's lots of misinformation people are freaking out some people are getting the like feeling that more than one person was killed some other people are thinking oh she just died in her sleep maybe there's a disease in the compound people are freaking out and helen she like she she remembers herself quite quickly and she's trying to calm the mass and she's trying like no no please uh, she keeps trying to say something but she just can't get a foothold in this mass conversation going on. There is a lot of panic. So Helen, she realizes she's losing the room. It's up in arms. She quickly retreats out of the room, closes the door, and within 30 seconds, a bunch of men in black clothing come in and uh, come into the room and they're all really loud, really commanding, and they, you know, they demand your attention. And with a few shouty words from these men in black clothing, who all look rather well-built and intimidating. You could hear a pin drop in this room. Okay, so it's Anders. So I'm going to give you an easy roll. I'm going to say a DC of six under grace, please. (laughs) I think I passed. I rolled a 15. Oh, oh, wow. Like... These guys have nothing on them. They're just dressed in black clothes. They don't have any weapons of any kind, but like everyone is like treating them with respect and listening. You're like, what, you know, what what's going on? Like, are these just shouty men? Anders looks over to Caro and quite unambiguously rolls his eyes. So he's just sort of like sitting there with his hands crossed, <laughs> his hands across his chest, just waiting for them to say whatever <laughs> they plan on saying. So the shouty men, um, I'm going to say that there's a group of about 10 of them and they've all kind of filtered in and Helen Doyle is kind of looking sheepish behind them and they basically say, all right, everyone follow us. You go into the canteen and people obediently start filtering out of the room after Helen Doyle to the canteen. And Anders is pulling up the rear rear and he looks over to one of them whichever is the closest and he's like i'm not going anywhere until you tell us what's going on so you're talking to jen brett and he's kind of like please it's it's really best that you leave we need to conduct a thorough investigation of the area and this is for your own safety sir uh we want to evacuate you from the scene uh and keep you all together and safe this is for your own safety sir you know who else gets herded? Cattle. And I ain't no cattle. So why don't you tell me what's going on? He kind of 
just reiterate this really is for your own safety sir at the moment we know as much as you we need to conduct a full investigation we will keep you posted in due course anders shakes his head and decides to just follow along for now are you still kind of at the back of the of the group yeah he's he's pulling up the rear almost as if he's looking for an opportunity to you know, leave? Are there people behind and in front of him, or are they leaving from the I was just front? about to say, there's mostly uh, people that were sleeping, well, they're not anymore, obviously. There were mostly people that were sleeping in front, but um, a couple of guys in black have just sort of uh, slotted in behind you as well. Ah. And uh, they're just kind of, you know, shepherding everyone out of the room and making sure no one loses their way to the cafeteria. So you're filtered into the cafeteria, Obviously, there's no food, there's no dinner, ladies, there's no one. And it's like three or four in the morning. People are kind of in shock at what's going on and trying to kind of process things um, as they filter into the cafeteria. And as the last few people trickle in, they kind of pull back and they kind of just sort of observe from the wall closest to the door. And there's about, I'd say, six guys in black clothing uh, just observing not doing much keeping an eye the door is closed and again this isn't i think i believed i mentioned last session this is a room with bars on the windows again so no luck there either um and yeah it's literally just everyone in the cafeteria now so anders looks over to caro and says do you think these guys actually know what they're doing because those look like secret agent cosplay they're wearing (laughs) Caro's kind of like do do, do you really want to find out (laughs) I don't don't think that's a good idea Um, I mean choice is yours but I don't don't feel we're gonna make a a net gain from such an encounter yeah I mean I guess I'm more interested in figuring out what they think that was because I've got some ideas and yeah. All right. I'll wait for a little while. This should be pretty funny, actually. So he just sort of like sits back and relaxes and he could not possibly look more comfortable. Okay. Interesting. All right. So the night wears on. Uh, the men in black clothing have impeccable posture. They kind of, you know, stand broad shouldered and like full height and they're just, just, they're just watching you. They don't really talk they don't really say anything they're just kind of keeping an eye on the situation people are slowly starting to kind of move through the shock and they're chatting quietly amongst themselves Anders raises his hand (laughs) trying to get attention of uh, any of the men in black all right uh, you notice that Jean Brett didn't follow you into the cafeteria he is elsewhere Um, so you attract the attention of Nechten Boyle he kind of makes eye contact with you and he nods and he doesn't move otherwise though. He just literally, it's all in his face and his head and he's kind of like looking at you like, yeah, what? Are you guys with Aegis or are you guys, well, I won't say it. Are you guys with Aegis? No, we're not officially uh, affiliated with Aegis security. Any more questions? Someone next to him kind of nudges him in the ribs and is kind of like, we're not officially affiliated with Aegis Security. We're a separate firm, but we've been hired by the organization to keep you safe, sir. So, wait, you guys are 
You guys are an actual security firm, really? And like, Mechton Boyle, he's like, hey, 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 hey. You get the feeling that maybe he has a distant relative in Aegis Security. He's like, Aegis Security is also a well-reputed firm, security firm as well, sir. Yeah, okay. That sounds right. Carry on with whatever it is this is. Like, the two guys, Nechton and his uh, colleague, kind of just look at each other, but they kind of go back to their standing tall posture and just surveying the group of people that are talking a bit more openly above a whisper. You can hear Valerie's voice somewhere, but yeah, there's not too many other people you'd recognize in this room. So Anders, he's trying to figure out one of two things. Mm. A, is this really a security firm or are these just cultists who are kind of dressed up like security (laughs) officers um, who are trying to pretend like they have this situation under control? So he's he's watching them very, very carefully to see if they are treating this scene in the way that a professional security agency might treat a scene like this. I'm just like thinking of this scene from the IT crowd where uh, like the head of IT asks one of the other guys, I want to get a browser on my laptop. And then he comes over to look at the laptop and is like, what's wrong with your laptop? And she's like, oh, I've got it how I like it. And she's just got spyware and pop-up <laughs> yeah. And the guy goes, Jen, if this was a person, I'd shoot it in the face. Okay, so I think I need to come up with a role. Is there a guy in particular you're looking at? Or are you just looking at all of them generally? All of them generally. All of them generally, okay. Right, so Anders is like, like top tier professional, I'm gonna say. Like he knows his stuff. He'd probably be able to tell the difference. So tell you what, can you give me a grace roll of seven? Eleven. Damn. <laughs> okay. Kind of notice that some of these guys are not. They're not used to standing for this long. They're kind of shifting uncomfortably and kind of some of them are not as attentively watching the crowd as they were before there are a couple these there's a small things but these this is kind of enough to tell that at the very least these guys are not super experienced in matters of uh crowd control or even security uh they seem to be doing a, what they think they should be doing in this situation so Anders stands up at this point. Oh no! <laughs> and he, he just like goes over to, let's say he goes over to Necton Boyle. All right. And and he puts his hand on Necton Boyle's shoulder unless Necton tries to stop him, and he's just um, like, I think Necton would be quite like taken aback that the fact that he was being approached because this was oh, not okay. what he was told would happen. So, uh, no, so he kind of just lets like, it happen because he does not react in time. So Andrews is like, listen, guys, I like to pretend to be stuff, too. But this is a serious thing that's happening here. And maybe you should let, you know, the adults take over. Okay. <laughs> Andrews has a social of one. <laughs> it's just as well I wasn't making you off a social. Um is he just talking at normal volume? Or yeah, is he... he's, like, he's talking to Necton. He's not trying to, like, make the... I mean, I guess the room is, like, busy talking to themselves. Anders also looks deeply 
unconcerned <laughs> about the fact that someone was just murdered in front of him. Yeah, Necton Boyle's kind of got a deer in the head's lo- headlights look. Um, his eyes go wide and he's like, uh, uh, and he's like looking at his colleagues like, help me out, bro. What do I do? So the guy from before is like, sir, sir. And he kind of makes a gesture for like Anders to kind of lean in a little closer. Sure, Anders leans in. All right. Sir, we have been instructed to maintain a sense of calm while the higher-ups conduct a full investigation of the proceedings this evening. We would appreciate it, sir, if you did not raise alarm with the other members of the organization for the time being. But if you want to help, if something does come up, we'll bear, we'll bear your name in mind, sir. But we would appreciate it if you did not share your findings with the others for the time being. Great. So I'll not tell everyone you're lying to them if you let me leave this room. Uh, Nechton kind of cuts in and he's he's just wading in. He is not prepared for this conversation at all, but he's, he's feeling a little bit fighty. Um, and he kind of goes, sir, really, this is for your own safety. No one can leave this room until we know exactly what has gone on. And he's kind of, you know, raising his voice a little bit and he's kind of full of bravado and his colleague is like, no, Nechton, what are you doing? But it's, you can see that in his face. He doesn't say anything right now. Take down roll against Nechton. Oh no. Okay, here we go. So, for, for the audience, um, <laughs> a takedown is something you can do when you do not want to initiate combat and you are in a position where you could potentially attack a person while they are unaware. It is an outside of combat move that allows you to render the person unable to engage in combat. So in this case, um, Anders is standing right next to this guy. This guy doesn't necessarily expect him to be su- himself to be sucker punched, and Anders is totally going to sucker punch him. Oh boy! Um, and yeah, takedown roll because I found it in the document. A takedown roll is a standard attack roll of one d10 plus strength or grace, uh, with a DC is as follows. So this enemy is unarmored and untrained. Uh, <laughs> He is not prepared for this, so I'm gonna say... But he is quite tall, he is quite tall, and he's, um... I guess he went to a gym at some point in the last week. Um, I'd say this is a roll of nine, so quite easy. Twelve. Ooh, he goes down, and he goes down hard, and he's kind of, like winded as well and he's very surprised about this turn of events how did he end up on the floor why does everything hurt ow so he just sort of like hits him like right up next to him like a one inch kind of punch he just hits him as hard as he can in the solar plexus while still kind of holding his shoulder and the the intention is to have him sort of like collapse onto Anders' shoulder a little bit instead of sort of hitting the ground really hard. Fair enough. But anyone who's in, like, the the vicinity can definitely see that this dude was just punched. So, yeah, the guy kind of, you just hear all of the wind exit his lungs. <laughs> and it's not, he's not quiet about it. But yeah, he kind of, you know, his legs kind of half buckle and he kind of just sort of 
neatly falls onto Anders' shoulder and like his colleague is like (laughs) whoever Um, did this is way worse than me so how about you guys stop wasting my time and just let me leave this room okay so a couple of the people within the room are also have they've kind of noticed they've heard something they've turned their head and they're like watching intently like what the bloody hell's going on here and the other guys in black are like oh crap okay we've got to contain this I mean, you know, a couple of hour course was probably not enough for this situation. We should have asked more questions. Oh, geez. Nathan, he's, he's in no position to do much of anything apart from catch his breath and try and think of anything other than owie my tummy. So Nathan's uh, colleague, he's kind of like, uh, that, that, that wasn't necessary, sir. Um, his brain is not cooperating with him he's trying to process what just happened and he's not sure what to do because he knows the consequences of if he does grant Anders request and he's kind of like trying to weigh up the pros and cons he doesn't want to get punched in the stomach I'll be honest you know I can make this really loud and that's gonna ruin this little um, show you have set up here so if you just let me go then I'm out of your hair for probably an hour. You don't have to worry about me anymore. So he just panics and grabs Anders' arm and just kind of chaperones him to the door. Like, he's kind of shocked that he's doing this himself, but he's like, I don't want to get punched in the tummy. Anders, before, as he's being led, kind of, like, waves to Caro. And Caro kind of just gives him a thumbs up. (laughs) Um, She wants to collect information. She's gonna hang back, but she's kind of like, "Eh, there we go, good job. Anders is led out of the cafeteria. The uh, single guy in black who has let him out quickly closes the door behind him and kind of in hushed tones goes, okay, okay, I'll level with you. I guess it's expensive, like ridiculously expensive. Uh, so we can only have them on the, on, the, on the gates at night. They reduce their numbers. And so it's just us poor schmucks that took a drama course once or just one of, you know, <laughs> It's just down to us occasionally. They give us these black uniforms and they say, Oh, did you know some of the cameras in this place aren't even real? Oh my gosh, I don't know what they've been doing with funds. Uh, It's just all coming out. He's panicking. Listen, I don't want to make this hard for you. I'm actually here to help if you... I mean, it might be surprising to you, but I have a little bit of experience in this kind of stuff. So if you just walk me over to the scene, we might be able to figure some stuff out here. All right? Then you look good and... I don't have to sit in a cafeteria for five hours while you guys stare at us. You've really got me between a rock and a hard place, dude. After you, what you did to Nechton. Good punch, by the way. We hate that guy. I don't want to be punched in the stomach like him, but also, like, I can't just waltz you on in there. I can't just be like, hey, this guy, he says he can help. We need to go in with a plan. Oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, God, what have I done with my life? You need to calm down, man. Like, you're, you're really stressing me out here. I haven't slept in a little while, and I get a little twitchy when I don't sleep. He kind of gives a fake, but maybe real, twitch in his left hand. So, I'm going to make you roll for it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? I mean, this guy is, like, freaking out already, so it shouldn't be too bad. Let's make this a five. Under social. And a five on the dot. Ah, yeah. He's kind of, he kind of flinches, and then he gets very quiet, and he's like, 
Oh, okay. Right. So basically you're gonna all you're gonna tell him is that I have a little bit of security experience and I was there when this person was murdered, and that you think that I am especially qualified to help. That's all you're gonna say. Got it? But what if it doesn't work? Well, the alternative is I can knock you out, and then you can pretend that I knocked you out because I will have, and that I could walk in myself. Okay. Right this way, sir. He's trying to do like a casual pose of like leading the way and gesturing, please follow me. But like his movements are really stiff. He's like really scared. Anders just sort of like casually walks behind him. He's giving the guy a little bit of space to, so that it seems like he's being led rather than doing the leading. All right, so you go back down the corridor, back to the room of bunks, and the guy in black puts his hand on the door handle and he hesitates and he goes, oh, dude, my brain's gone blank. My brain's gone blank. What did you want me to say? Uh, um. How about you just wait out here? Yes, then they won't see my face. Okay, and I can go back to the cafeteria. Uh, please don't mention anything about this. Okay, bye! And he <laughs> runs back off to the cafeteria. So he's as gone. he's running away, Anders is checking to see, does this guy have any kind of bionic or augmented parts of, of any kind? I'm inclined to make you roll for it. Uh, da -da -da -da. So that's a grace roll. And again, it's going to be quite easy let's put you at a six six on the dot which Ooh. for a grace roll is very low <laughs> for me a grace roll for me is very low okay so as far as you can tell like yeah no this guy doesn't seem to have any bionic limbs or anything that you can tell as he's running away from you um this guy just seems like a regular Regular guy, no augments, no nothing. Huh. Anders nods to himself, kind of adding that to his dossier. And he steps back into the integration center, um, like, sleeping area. All right, so no one else has arrived yet. It's literally just the four other guys in black, and they're kind of quite startled to see you. But no one makes a move, and they're like, who, who are you? They asked me to help you investigate this um okay i'm gonna make you roll for it again uh so social and like there are four guys so you've got to persuade like four different guys but also as we have established they have no idea what they're doing um so i'm gonna say a moderate roll under uh, social of eight five so not quite the guys remember themselves and they kind of have the big sort of strongman pose of I'm big and scary. They kind of start to approach Anders and they go, no, sir, you're not meant to be here. You're really not meant to be here. We're waiting for the higher ups. Could you please find your way back to the cafeteria, please, with me? Do they touch Anders? They're trying to kind of approach and hope that he'll do the rest of the work for them. Anders stands stock still. He doesn't look like he's about to do anything bad, but he just sort of like stands there. It's like, guys, there's a couple of things I know about you. First is, you're not really security, so you can stop pretending that you are. The second is, eh, at least one of you has a glass jaw, and I'm real excited to figure out which one. 
So let me help, or we can do this the hard way. Right, okay. Okay, yeah, no, I'm not going to make you roll for it because you're not trying to scare them. You're just being like, come on, come on now. <laughs> all of the men in black, the four of them in that room in the bunks, they all kind of look at each other and they kind of come to a slow, natural halt because they all kind of collectively realize this guy's not moving. <laughs> and one of the younger guys in black pipes up, you're not meant to be in here, sir. <laughs> I've completely forgotten how to form words. <laughs> <laughs> it happens, don't worry. It happens with alarming frequency. I know it's like indelicate to talk about other podcasts on your own podcast, but recently on My Favourite Murder, when they're talking about housekeeping and like Georgia's like trying to think of the next thing, she goes, beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> and like, that's my brain right now, like, beep, boop, 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 boop trying to find the file where the rest of the scene is, where I've tucked it away. Um, the older guy kind of looks at his colleagues, looks back to Anders, looks at his colleagues, kind of shrugs and goes, we're not being paid, guys. And the other three are like, yeah, that's, that's a point. That is a point. Uh, we're standing right next to a dead body, and that's definitely above whatever pay grade we're on, right? <laughs> So the older guy kind of folds his arms and is like, all right, all right, genius. What, what are we looking at then? Anders wanders over to the corpse. If I succeed, I'm going to tell you some things about the corpse because I know some Ooh. things about the corpse. So as you've already established, Anders uh, knows his stuff. He is a professional. So I'm not going to say this is going to be too difficult, but also the person that committed this crime was also an, a professional. You established that in yes. the description of the last session. So I'm gonna go for moderate, but I'm gonna go on the low end of moderate. So uh, if this is perception, that's grace. So a grace roll of seven. That would be a 10. Ooh. Ooh. So Tell here, us more. Here's what Anders sees when he wanders over to the body. So Anders goes over to the body and is actually strangely careful he looks back at one of the guys it's like do any of you guys have any gloves the guys kind of start patting down their pockets and they're kind of like steve do you have any gloves no didn't give me any gloves i have a pair of socks with those do yeah you're starting to really grasp the full level of their incompetence so he he just shakes his head and he takes out his phone and he starts taking pictures of the body from a variety of different angles and making sure that he gets, especially like where the wounds are, he doesn't touch anything before he's sort of captured as many of the pictures as he can. The guys are kind of a little bit like, oh, he, he has a phone. The older guy is kind of like, why are you taking pictures? Uh, who are those for? Because you guys don't have gloves and I'm about to touch a dead body, you idiot. I want to make sure that at least some of this crime scene is preserved. Ah, uh, that, that is... That's, that's a good idea. That's a good idea. The younger guy starts talking about true crime and he's, you know, you've lost his interest at least, and, but the other three are still trying to listen, including the guy he's talking at. So he very gingerly looks down at the person and he notices that the stab wound that killed her is actually a pair of puncture marks 
it doesn't seem like it should have been enough to kill her by any stretch of the imagination, especially as quickly as it seemed to have killed her. Ooh, that's weird. Anders recognizes that this is almost certainly poison. Second, because it's a critical success, his face kind of goes like pale for Anders. You guys have a real problem on your hand, I think. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, we, we kind of guessed with the dead body, but go on, tell us the bad news. I think you might have professional assassins running around this place. So, you know, uh, that's like, never good. This catches the younger, the youngest recruit's attention, and he's like, ah! He's gone super pale, he is sweating, He's he kind of crouches down on the floor and kind of suddenly sort of like puts his hands to his head and he is not talking or doing much of anything useful. But the other three are a bit more composed. Do any of you have like a pocket knife on you? Like all of them are shaking their heads apart from the youngest recruit who is kind of slowly working his way to a fetal position. We, we don't have that sort of thing inside of the compound. Go to the kitchen and get me a knife now. The kitchen is kept under lock and key at this at this time. Um, I mean, you could probably break it open, but it would cause an awful lot of noise. Uh, I like I'm really sorry, dude, but like, you guys are the absolute worst. Yeah, yeah, we know. So Anders instead goes over and kind of looks at the wound, and there's only like dried blood there. Looks at his shirt, and he rips off like a strip of fabric. And he tries his best to sop up a little of the the dried blood without making it worse. He gingerly wraps that up in a way that looks pretty practiced. He doesn't have the facilities to analyze it at this point, but perhaps someone like Rocco might be able to. So here's the deal, guys. This woman is poisoned by someone who dropped in from the roof. We don't know why she's dead. We don't know why we're not dead. And we have no idea whether or not this person's going to do this again. Right. Okay, says the oldest guy. And the other two guys are kind of just stunned. They don't know what to say. So the oldest guy takes the reins of the conversation. Right. Uh, well, when and if the higher-ups show up, uh, we will communicate that to them, I, I guess. Uh, you don't look like one of the higher-ups... What? What? No, I'm Seth Armsward. New recruit to your cult. Right. Okay. Uh, do you want me to mention your name? Uh, yeah, that would be great. Cool. Right. And he becomes more determined as he's like building the story in his head. Okay. Uh, so are you recommending that maybe people don't come back into this room for the foreseeable future? I mean, you should probably take them out of here. It's really no telling. Some of these nano poisons, they can sort of like build new versions of themselves inside of people's bodies. And then the people bloat up and they explode. And it's like, it's really bad. It can be real bad. The three guys standing are like slowly, but not so subtly like backing away. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that, that's interesting. You guys are hilarious. And then Anders turns on his heels, having gotten everything that he needs, and, and walks out of the room unless they stop him. You hear someone say, Bye then! Yep, yep. 
we can fast forward. He's back in the cafeteria, I guess, with Karen. Yeah, Nekton is like fully recovered and surprised that he came back. He's also kind of still pissed off that you winded him and uh, made him look a bit of a fool. But he kind of slowly approaches Anders and he's like, well, what was all that about then? Oh, yeah. The woman was killed by an assassin. The assassin used some kind of unknown poison. Your guys were in there messing around with a dead body without any gloves or without taking any kind of pictures of the scene. So that's pretty dumb. And there's really no telling whether or not she's going to kill people again. So that's what I figured out. Jolly good. The fight has left him. He kind of just drifts back to his position on the far wall by the door. I'm guessing Caro was nearby when you came oh, back. Oh, Caro's you... right there. So yeah, no, Caro's like, oh bother. Right. So, uh, productive trip then. Hey, Caro, have you ever heard of the Sisterhood of Perpetual Agony? Give me a knowledge roll of seven. <laughs> I was gonna say something quippy, but I won't, because it wouldn't make this podcast family friendly anymore. <laughs> uh, if it ever was. Okay. I need to find the dice rolling website. All right, so that's a d10. The d10 was a nine and my knowledge is five. So that is like 14. So what Kara knows is that the Sisterhood of Perpetual Agony is another um, private security firm that hires, it's not exclusively women, but it's a large number of women. Basically, it's very difficult to rise in the organization if you're a guy. They deal in jobs that typically involve corruption, varying kinds of corruption. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they only do good things. It just means that per- corruption as they see it are the oh, kinds no. of jobs that they, they tend to deal in. And if risk management is sort of corporate and mostly like nice and friendly and they try to do things quietly and with as little bloodshed as possible, the sisters of perpetual agony more live up to their name. When they take on a job, they take a great deal of joy in sort of sending a message. They like to be loud. They like to be bloody. They like to leave as many corpses in their wake as they feel are necessary in order to accomplish the task that they've been set upon. Because you rolled so high, there's one thing you also know is that they typically don't kill innocent people. Oh. Um, They're not going to kill people just for the sake of killing them. Caro, like, the first thing that comes to her mind is like, oh yes, someone I used to know in high school joined up with them. (laughs) And like, at the back of her brain, it's like, ah, I never liked her. (laughs) Yeah, well... I think they might be here, actually, which doesn't bode well. Ah, nah, that does not. Oh, that is not a good thing. Okay, then. What next? Uh, I don't know. When do you think they're going to let us out of here? I'm sure they'll do a good performance of carrying out investigation, so it could take a few hours, I'm thinking. Well, in that case, I know I'm not going to sleep well, but I might just take a nap. Yeah, I I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to sleep again after that, so uh, by all means, I'll keep watch. And so Anders curls up and goes to sleep. Does anything else happen in this cafeteria scene before we switch over? Uh, let's say 
four in the morning, which is when you said last time the tour should have taken place, Jean Brett, I believe is what we called him, he enters the room, but then nothing much happens. He also takes his place on the wall. Guys in black are still kind of chatting with each other and they're kind of like, what the heck was that about? Like, he's just, he's just curled up and gone to sleep. And slowly the other three men that were in the room with the bunks, they also slowly, over the course of the next hour, they filter in as well. Perfect. Instead of our usual talkie intercession, I'm going to paint the next couple of hours for you. Sure. So, as you mentioned, at four o'clock, they were supposed to be doing a tour. And the tour does not happen at four o'clock for obvious reasons. Mm. Instead, it happens at 6.30 in the morning. Oh, gosh. (laughs) So all of the men in black clear out, and most of the people have been trying to get some sleep. Mm. But at around 6.30 a.m., Helen Doyle comes back into the room with the biggest smile ever (laughs) on her face. Ooh! And... She kind of moves up to the stage and she just sort of looks down on everyone. Not really stage, but like to the front of the room where the men in black were standing. And she looks down at everyone and she's like, Hey, everybody, time to wake up. Caro did not sleep. (laughs) Her face looks especially drawn. And she just slowly lifts her head and glowers at Helen Doyle. She kind of resents, but also envies her cheeriness. As this tour plays out, I'm going to give you three choices of things that you can do. And you can pick one of these choices. And that will sort of feed into what happens the next scene. Helen Doyle kind of brings everyone together and everyone kind of groggily wakes up. And she has them stand in the front of the room. And as she does, the people who you kind of recognize as maybe the men in black... But now they're sort of dressed in their sort of monochrome gray (laughs) cult uniforms have come in with a bunch of these cardboard boxes and they lay them out next to Helen and Helen just goes like, we've got uniforms, guys. And they open the boxes and you see the same monochrome cult uniforms that you saw on people previously that the people in the integration center weren't wearing. Anders groggily wakes up and pulls one from the box. Does Kara put one on? She finds a secluded corner of the cafeteria and she kind of does that awkward thing where you're trying to change clothes without exactly undressing, if that makes sense. So you're kind of trying to put your clothes on under the clothes you're already wearing so there's never a moment you're completely naked. (laughs) Okay, definitely. Yeah, and so everyone kind of gets dressed and you notice that it's actually really comfortable. Does it have pockets? Even the women's yoga pants that they give have, like, real pockets. Oh, um, So Helen's like, all right, I know we had a little bit of a, I don't know, you are all so beautiful today. I don't really want to talk about it. Instead, I think we should take a look at your new home. What does everyone think? Everyone excited? Hey. You notice that only the people who are with you in the integration center are currently in this room right now. And you are led out of the room in sort of single file line. And she's going to start by giving you a little bit of history while I pull up a little document. 
Yeah, so she starts and explains, I'm not going to RP this, I'm mostly going to data dump it. She starts by explaining that the uh, Messengers of the One Mind are a 35-year-old organization that was started basically at the beginning of the Android revolution, which you know as the time when service androids became du jour and more and more people were starting to purchase them for their home and for utility purposes, etc., and that their entire purpose was simply to make it so that artificial intelligence would not suffer the same sorts of civil rights violations that other marginalized groups have over the course of human history. They believe that artificial intelligence has progressed substantially in the last hundred years or so, and that it would be foolish of us to believe that AIs of the caliber that we have right now have no sentience. She goes on to explain that most of what the messengers do is political lobbying, like going and talking to government organizations, trying to get them to reevaluate policies on the abuse of artificial sentience. They are not radical in their approach. They've always felt that the change laws is to work with lawmakers and that they aren't trying to, you know, rock the boat too much. And she goes on to say that the purpose of this organization, this sort of compound, is as a social experiment as much as anything else. You know, she points out that you may have noticed that there are a lot of androids here living among people. And she believes that that's what makes this organization different, that they allow organic sentience and artificial sentience to live side by side with one another in harmony. And she believes that by doing so, people can learn to have more empathy for these artificial sentience and realize the hubris it takes to believe that these organisms that are exactly like us in in all the ways that matter um, should be treated any differently by the law. And so this is a really good speech she gives. You're actually fairly impressed by Helen's delivery of this information. And she runs her little ID chip in her arm across a security door, and she takes you first to the rec room, um, the same rec room that Luca Rojas' office was in. But instead of the area you were in previously, she takes you through another locked door, and here you see a strange number of androids and people, and they're all wearing robes. If your robes are monochrome gray, Theirs are monochrome green. Um, Ooh, okay. There's books on the wall. You see a lot of old VR equipment. So if the group is sort of this bubble, where is Kara? Like in the front, in the back, in the middle? She's she's hanging back so she can observe, and she's sticking close to Anders at this point. She Here's... doesn't want to stick out because what sticks out gets nailed down. <laughs> exactly. Kara can do one of three things. She can either look around the room and sort of get a sense for what's here in terms of doors and security. She can speak to one of the people who's in the group with her, or she can speak to Kay, the robot she met earlier. Oh, which which one? Was that the first first one we spoke to that told us, you need to tell them the name of your recruiter? Yeah, that's the one. Interesting. So, all of you, just so you know, the rec room is not really for people at your level. 
you're going to have to start at the room out there. But we felt that it was important for you to see all the wonderful things that you might have access to sometime in the future when you've shown your love for the organization and just how beautiful you are. Um, okay. Right now, Kara really wants to have a proper conversation with Anders, but she also kind of wants to put on a good show. So she talks to Kay. She, you know, just goes over and kind of goes, Hey, it's nice to see you again. How are you holding up? I'm doing great. I'm glad to see that everything worked out for you. Well, you know, it was a bit touch and go there, but everything's fine. I knew it would be fine. You are a beautiful person. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so, is this how you've been spending your day? Have you done much else today? This is a wonderful place to spend time. So many nice people are here. Hmm, do you spend most of your days here? Sometimes. They often need my help in the research area. That is where I feel like I provide the most value. It's hard to read Android's expressions normally, but there's something about the way he says that that feels sad. You're not really sure. Value? What, do, what does that mean to you? They're doing great work here, and they need us to help them do that work. So you help out with that work? I help with that work. It makes me happy. Makes you happy? What does happiness to you? Happiness is being able to help. Sounds pretty standard to me. Hmm. Uh, do you mind if I talk to you again later, Kay? That would make me happy. That would make you happy. All right, well, I guess I better better give you a look in if I'm ever around this part of the facility again. Um, you can't come into this area. No, I can't. But one day, one day... What's the strangest way someone has come into this part of the facility, Kay? Have you got any funny stories? Oh, that's a very interesting question. Why would you like to know? I just, you know, I understand my position within the organization and uh, just trying to get information on how I could possibly raise that position. Oh, oftentimes I have found that people tend to be promoted in the organization when they do things to help. Helpful people are helped. Hmm, I see. What kind of help? Many times you are asked to give something of yourself. And if you are willing, promotions come very quickly. He's kind of wistful about this. I've been asked to give much of myself. What have you had to give? I'm sorry. I believe that the tour is moving on now. Ah. <sighs> We're gonna we're gonna have a we're gonna have a proper chat later, Kay. Oh, yeah, keep me in suspense. Alright, enjoy the rest of your day, buddy. You're a beautiful person. Ah, thanks. And so Helen calls you together. Well, everyone, I know some of you are a little upset that you don't get to participate in all of this community building, but we think that it's very important that you change something about yourself before you bring that to the rest of our little world. <laughs> So you quickly move on. You go through a series of locked doors. The hallways are becoming nicer. You're still on the second floor. And you're actually sort of surprised that the building is as large as it is. It feels like you've been walking forever. 
Give me a perception roll of, I don't know, like a six. I rolled a three, but my grace, if I remember correctly, is, yeah, it's a two. So that's five. (laughs) So it's a near hit. It does seem weird to you that the rooms are pretty big, but not that big. But the, the hallways are really long. It's a weird disconnect, and I won't tell you any more than that, but but it does feel a little weird to you. The space doesn't make sense. Right, the space doesn't quite make sense to you. Then you end up in a library, and in the library, Helen tells you that this is a place where people can learn more about the history of AI, learn more about the history of bioethics, and you see bookshelves, huge bookshelves, filled with books on artificial intelligence. This is probably the large, biggest library of like work on robots and artificial intelligence and androids and cyborgs and augmentation that you've probably ever seen in your entire life. And risk management keeps a pretty extensive library. And what's weird is that they're paper books, like lots and lots of paper books, which is unusual at this point. You also see a bunch of banks of computers they look like public terminals, basically. Then you see a lot of people in robes of varying colors kind of sitting at these desks, looking at these screens, like reviewing various articles, checking their... Actually, no, that's the thing that you notice, that no one's checking their email, right? There's no one, like, checking personal information. People are just doing a bunch of research. And another thing you notice is that a strange number of these people have cybernetic augmentations of the kind you saw in the lobby. Um, So I'm going to give you a choice. You can either follow up on that idea that there's a bunch of different people with cybernetic augmentation. You can look around the room for security, for doors you may not be being shown, like all kinds of things, anything that you aren't being let in on. Or there is someone calling out for you someone sort of waving you down. You can ignore them without any consequence, but they are definitely waving you down. What name are they using? Um, they're using Izzy. Right, okay. Because when you said that no one was checking email, my initial thought was, do they even have internet here? Or is it kind of like just its own intranet kind of thing? Like, Because I was thinking about this news report I saw in North Korea and how the BBC went to this university and no one could get on the internet for whatever reason. Yeah, no, that's what popped into my mind. So that was the first thing that I was like, right, are they even allowed online? So I think I'll let the person calling out to me come to me and I will take this opportunity to survey the room and see what I can see, uh, see if there is maybe a trapdoor to a restricted area of the library, something crazy like that. Yeah, so I'm going to give you, because that's your choice, I'm going to just give you these. You don't have to make a roll. Cool. Uh, so you notice a lot of stuff. And if you're taking notes, I would take take notes because this That's will... probably a good idea. Give me a second. Okay. You, you will be tested. Ah! Um, <laughs> inside of the library, you notice a glassed off area that says restricted. And you can kind of make out on the other side of the glass that it's sort of a mirror of what's in here. But everyone inside of that area is wearing red. Second thing that you notice is a red door. Oh, goody, another um, one of those. On, in one corner of the room. And 
Do you go over to it? Do you get anywhere near it? No, like, literally, it's just, like, in the back of her head, it's just the ha, 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 like, kind of music. She's kind of, like, slow realization, like, that's the same door. I don't like that. I don't want to go near that door. This, mm, I'm gonna just, I have a bad feeling about this. So you don't go anywhere near it? Yeah, she she's she's too spooked. She doesn't she doesn't like the look of it at all. Cool. Right. And what you notice is interesting about the red door, even from this distance, is that the place is sort of set up like a grid, but there's nothing within about ten feet of that door. It's just dead space. There's no cameras over the door. It's just sort of dead space and it's backed by these bookshelves. Right. Oh, that doesn't bode well. Okay, Julie noticed. I'm glad I didn't go over there. <laughs> but no one else seems to care. Everyone else seems like perfectly content, but no one's wandering over there. there. There's no one you see that is like getting anywhere near that area. She kind of just nudges Anders and is like, you see the red door, right? It's not, I'm not going crazy. You see the red door. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Cool. I, I'm not going crazy. That was all. Carry on. And the third thing that you notice is that there's a lot more security here than you expect. Right. You can tell that there's a bunch of cameras just everywhere in this room, like more cameras than, than there should be. Right. Okay. All right. Let's move forward. As you're leaving the library, you realize that someone has reverse pickpocketed you. You feel something oh. like someone has put something in one of those giant pockets of yours. Okay. Um, do you check it? I'll tap my pocket, but I won't get it out in front of everyone. I'll just see if there's I can feel what it is. It feels like a piece of paper. Right. I'll hold on to that and read it later. I don't want to draw any attention at this point. Uh, the next place you stop is the research facility. Oh, goody. Kay's favorite place. And there's a bunch of metal tables. There's a bunch of electronics being tinkered with. There's a bunch of computer terminals. There's a bunch of people in lab coat looking things. And you can't tell what color their sort of monotone clothing is because they have these white lab coats on top of them. Indeed. Terminate clothing cue. And you can see that there are an equal number of androids and humans in this area. What Helen says is that people have a very hard time understanding sentience and what it means to be a human being. Wow, this just got heavy. <laughs> this is where we study that. Some of our members are more scientifically inclined. They are less interested in the cultural ramifications of our mission and more interested in the scientific underpinnings of that mission. And to satisfy that curiosity, we've engaged in a lot of high quality research. We've published many papers and many reputable journals, and we have those all available in the library. You should definitely check it out when you have an opportunity. And if you find yourself curious about what makes the mind tick, this is a place that you might be able to do a little bit of research and um, explore those ideas. And she kind of shows you around. All the scientists seem really happy to see you. People are shaking hands, like people are smiling. The androids here, they're having these interactions that you don't usually notice out of service robots. 
they feel almost warm, right? In a way that even Kay doesn't. And here's your choices. Choice number one, you can try to sneak a look at one of the screens to see what one of the scientists is working on. Okay. Choice number two, you can look around the room for anyone who might seem familiar to you. So it's a lot of people in this room, so it's difficult to sort of make out. Or choice number three, you can check the room to see what you learn about security and what you learn about anything that might be sort of hidden from the casual glance. I'm going to try and subtly sneak a glance at one of the monitors to see if there's anything pertinent on it. This person has three monitors, and one monitor is just blocks of completely inscrutable code. And you as a person who understands sort of the underpinnings of how coding works, like it seems completely nonsensical to you. It it feels like this is being designed for a system that is both too large and complex to even exist and one that is like being written in ancient Greek. On the screen in front of you, you see this sort of like visualization that looks like a bunch of interconnected nodes. Blue lights, red lights, green lights brought together in this web. And some of them glow brighter than others, some of them grow darker than others, and they all have these like numbers over them. On the right panel, you see what looks like fan fiction? Okay, what fandom? What fandom? (laughs) You don't even know. What are we talking about? What kind of tags? This is a long fic? I don't know. Like, some of it's, like, weirdly sexual, whereas some, like, most of it is, like, these odd power fantasies. Like, there's there's a lot of weird in it, but it's all very Freudian. It doesn't seem to have a coherent structure to it. It seems to be written by more than one person. But it all kind of... It's a round-robin kind of document. Right, like a game of telephone. Like he's a typewriter producing Shakespeare or attempting to. Right, but they're really far away from Shakespeare at this point. But they're not <laughs> like producing nonsense. Helen calls you back to attention and she's like, Okay, we're going on our last stop. Does anyone need anything? Does anyone need to use the restroom? You know. Caro is in for the long haul. She she wants to see the end of the show. She doesn't want to miss a thing. So they take you over to the infirmary. The infirmary is weird because this is the only place you've seen that has security in front of it. Armed security guards in front of it. Okay. Helen sort of smiles at them and they smile at her and she runs her her like little key ID over it and the door opens for her. And she's like, you know, sometimes people get ill. And we really want to make sure that everyone here still, you know, is in top form all the time, top form. But we all also know that, you know, you don't want to leave temptation in front of people. We've we've had trouble with that in the past. So if you find yourself a little sick, just come down to the desk of the integration office and give me a buzz and we'll get you an appointment to see a doctor. And she seems to sort of trail off. And if, like she doesn't seem as engaged in this portion of the tour as she did in the previous portions. And you, what you see is sort of a very modern-looking medical facility. You see, oddly enough, a bunch of what looks like surgical robots. Makes sense, I guess. I'm going to give you a couple of choices. 
Okay. Choice number one, you can look to see what kinds of medications and stuff that they have available. So they have like a big glass locked case that has, you know, bottles in it that you can look to see what's in there. Choice number two is that you can investigate some of these surgical robots and sort of see what they're all about. Choice number three is that the old man, remember how to your left was the undercut woman who was killed? Oh, no. And to your south was a older man? He's trying to get your attention. Since it worked out for me so well last time, I hate to be that guy, but I'm going to let the old guy come to me. And I can't decide whether to look for the medications because it's all very well and good knowing what they have. But if I can't get at it without good reason, it's a bit of a bit of a bust. But I should probably check with the robots and see like just what level of care they are able to pres- provide with the robots. How cool. fancy are we talking? It's extremely fancy. This is the kind of medical equipment you would only find in the highest-end hospitals. If you got your arm shot off, this is the kind of place that you would be able to go to and they'd probably be able to get you out of it alive. This is a place that is as good as any hospital you've ever been to, as good as any medical facility risk management has at their disposal. Oh, wow, okay actually a really good facility at least at the outset of it okay and so helen kind of claps her hands together and she's like well that's our tour do you have any questions uh caro doesn't have any at this point no well wonderful i'm you know normally i would take you guys back your rooms. Um, I know it's been a long night and everyone probably needs a little sleep, but we're, we're just working on things in there right now. So I'm going to, I'm going to drop you guys off back, back at the rec center, if you don't mind. You guys don't mind, do you? No one says, yes, we do mind. The kind of go is kind of a non-committal sound of, uh, eh, yeah, we don't mind. <laughs> so she does. So she drops you off there at the rec center. So it is two o'clock in the afternoon. Lunchtime, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, it could be. I don't know. Because did anyone have breakfast? No. Um, after, you... No, they've probably got a case of the rumblies that only inoffensive soup and cheesy pasta can satisfy. So it's two o'clock. No one has eaten. People are getting crabby. The dinner ladies are as, you know, radiant as ever. And today's menu is a different kind of soup. It is a mushroom soup. And it's also vegetables and rice if you want something a bit more substantial. Can you give me a grace roll? Uh, Because this is pretty easy. I'm going to make you roll uh, a five, please. It's almost insulting, but might as well make you roll. I only got a seven, but I still... You only, you only got a seven. There is, like, no meat here. There huh. is no meat. It's all veggies or, like, carbs. Hey, maybe there's no animal products at all, but you're not sure. A cheesy pasta. It tasted pretty cheesy to you. But 
who knows? Maybe it's that funky new dairy-free cheese that is all the rage. I'm not talking from personal experience. I am dairy intolerant, and it's pretty good these days. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there is no meat. Anders sort of gets up like he did before, and he goes back to the line, and he's like, uh, do you guys ever serve burgers? It happens to be the dinner lady from yesterday. You keep bumping into each other like this. And she, she, she's only too happy to tell you, like, oh, yes, uh, we have some spicy bean burgers that we'll probably be having later this week. And then we might have, like, a, a mushroomy, cheesy type thing next week. That's kind of the current plans for burgers. We try and change it up every day. Wait. Oh, so you guys don't eat, like, meat. Oh, heavens, no. No, no, no. We, we don't serve meat in this cafeteria, sir. Okay. Guess that's fine. I've been trying to, I guess, watch mine. And he just sort of trails off and he's like, cheesy pasta, please. Very good, very good. Uh, Unfortunately, we sold out of the cheesy pasta yesterday. It's only mushroom soup or veggies and rice, I'm afraid, today. Cheesy pasta will return by the end of the week, but it's not available today, I'm terribly sorry to say. Wow, this is getting much worse. Uh... Did you guys ever get that power fuel? Uh, I, I've i been keeping an eye out for it, sir, and uh, I'm sorry to say that uh, we're probably not going to have a shipment of power fuel for quite some time. If I find some, or if it comes in, you'll be the first person I think of. Yeah, okay. Anders looks dejected. I uh, feel so bad. <laughs> And he sort of drags himself through the food line and he gets the the mushroom soup or whatever. And he kind of waves a sort of idle thanks to the servers and he plops his tray down in front of Caro and he just looks at her. I think I'm going to die in here. <laughs> um, yeah, the dinner lady calls after him. Have a beautiful day. Caro is like, this is great for me. I'm, I might lose a few pounds. So... Let's review. Yes, let's review. We've got an awful lot to review. It is entirely possible that one or more sisters of perpetual agony are in this building killing people for reasons we're not sure about. That's like a real problem that we should Mm. probably work out sooner rather than later. Additionally, Harlan Roland, not so happy with us as as far as I recall. Uh, If we're going to do what we need, need to do here we need to start moving did you find anything that's worth investigating i was thinking because of the leanings of the sisters they don't attack randomly so i think our first and best bet is to find out who this poor girl was why she was killed if we get that far why she was here and why the sisterhood felt it was worth coming all the way out here to end her life so suddenly I overheard one or two people talk about her, but it doesn't seem many people on our level really knew who she was. But I haven't talked to everyone. I think if we ask around about the poor girl, we might find something out, or just some kind of inkling about who she was, and maybe that will inform us as to when the sisters might strike again. I, you know, there's so little to go on. That's a good point. Okay, so we... We need to figure that out. We need to, maybe they're linked. We need to investigate this murder. 
and maybe that'll tell us something. Also, I saw a guy slip something into your pocket. I was going to tell you about it, but uh Oh, yeah. yes, that's that's a good shout. Yes, no, I I truth told I completely forgot about it. But I'm so lucky to have you here by my side and as you've reminded me. Did you see who it was because I was uh astutely looking at something else like the code on the screen in the research lab? That that isn't like any code I've ever seen it's not yeah I could probably not hack that if I had to hack that um and then like on another screen there were all these nodes and they were all like color-coded and then on the other screen uh Caro kind of goes a little like she's not sure how to phrase this to Anders and she goes a little bit red because if she like does too good a job of phrasing it it will reveal (laughs) certain things she doesn't want revealed (laughs) I mean was it like dangerous was it like real dangerous? No, 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 no. It wasn't. It wasn't dangerous. It was just a bit odd. It was like this strange personal prose project. It didn't Wait, make any you, sense. Like, what are you talking about? Like, this is a research facility. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it wasn't like academic prose or anything like that, though. It was like there were, you know, characters and situations and things like that. And it was. It, I. It was. It wasn't well written, I'd say. But like, it was. It was definitely some kind of uh, fiction. Um, it was, you know, really, really like someone who was writing it. They, they really believed in what they were writing, and it was. It's. I. I. I don't know. Maybe someone was caught off guard on the job. Maybe this is a really weird place. Yeah, like blokes in black. The fan fiction. I mean, the the personal Wait, project. Fan fiction. <laughs> Uh, it, I don't know. I, I didn't recognize anything about it. It could have been a personal prose project. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, what was it doing there in the research facility annexed all this indescribable code, which I don't recognize and I should recognize. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on, yep, mm, code. Yeah, I. this isn't so, convincing you at all, is it? I mean, I'm totally into sneaking into the research facility. That seems like a idea. I don't think they're going to want us in there, though. No. They're definitely not going to want us in there. But given uh, our contractor breathing down our neck, he probably wants results sooner rather than later. It's probably in our best interests to be a bit sneaky. Yes. All right. We'll keep that in mind. Hey, Mm. what about that note? Yes, the note. Gosh, yeah. Sorry, I was so distracted by the research facility and the code. Yes, the code. Not the other screens, the code. So she kind of uh, fishes around in her pocket and she pulls out the paper. And what you see is, meet me in front of the infirmary, 9 p.m. Ooh. It's unsigned, and it's in sort of a childish hand. Ooh, that's creepy. She says, ooh, that's creepy as well. <laughs> well, that could be a lot of things. Uh... Um, I definitely don't feel comfortable going alone. You'll back me up, right? Oh, yeah, no, I wouldn't miss this for the world. Oh, Oh, that doesn't fill me with confidence, but I'll feel good that you're there. So, Caro and Anders eat lunch, and they are taken back to the rec center. And on your way back, Helen Doyle comes up to you, and she kind of tugs it on your arm. Oh, fancy seeing you here. How can how can I help? Hey, um... Hey. Beautiful person. Yes, that's me. And you're, you're, Carrie has completely forgotten her name. I'm Helen, Helen Doyle. And you must be Seth Armsford. 
yeah, that's 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 my buddy, that's Seth right there. Yeah, Jasmine has great things to say about you, and Luca. Yeah, Luca. Um, so oh. I had a little bit of a problem, but I didn't want to bring it up in front of the other people. Um, no, of course, of course. And it needs to be kept a little quiet. All right. Uh, what what kind of problem? At the exact same time, Helen gets a call. Hello? Oh, really? Both both of them? Uh. Oh, oh, no, no, I mean, I guess it's fine, but... Are you... Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 Yeah, no, that's good. Bye. And that she hangs up. sound overwhelmingly positive. What's wrong? Um, I, listen, between you and I, there's something I really need to talk to you about, but Luca wants to see you both, and both he of us? seemed pretty, pretty... Insistent? Yeah, yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. When he starts using that voice of his, sometimes he gets very scary, and I really oh, tell want... tell me about it. <laughs> and what I have to say is a little bit... I don't know, off the record, but I don't want to get you in trouble, so I don't know, like, I'll leave it up to you. It, it shouldn't take too long, but Luca said that he needs to see you right now. Well, I mean, none of us want to get in trouble, so is it something that can wait until a little later on, or is it something you really need to tell us right now? Give me a perception roll of eight. Oh, boy, okay. I'm gonna roll a d10. <sighs> Grace to the role was a natural one. So that is a three total. Oh dear. She puts on the bravest face you've ever seen, and she's oh, like, Oh boy. Yeah, it'll be fine. And I mean, you shouldn't get in trouble for my sake. Just go see Luca. Um, yeah, I mean, we can still talk later, but yeah, I mean, fair enough. Um, uh, you beautiful person, you, yes, you. Oh. Carrie is doing like a really bad impression of what she thinks the greeting of the cult is. You both are beautiful people. And with that, she sort of turns on her heels. She looks real nervous as she walks away. I wonder what that was about. Uh, I... uh, Hopefully, hopefully nothing bad, but uh, who knows? Someone did die today. Oh, gosh. Okay. Hmm. Well, uh... I, I don't think I'm going to like Luca when he's angry, so we should probably not keep him waiting. Uh, let's go to his office. Maybe he's there. That makes most sense. Right, let's go. Let's, uh, let's head on over. So you head into Luca Rojas's office, and standing next to him is Sunday Grant. Oh, no! No! <laughs> And Sunday Grant is kind of just leaning against his, like, little bookshelf in front of the nanny cam, actually. Oh, that's not good. Mm. And Sunday is armed with a Lawbringer pistol. And Anders looks a little bit nervous. And as you step inside, the door swings closed on its own and and locks. You can hear an electronic lock behind you. 
I'm glad to see you both in good spirits after last night. <sighs> Caro says nothing. She's not playing this game again. <laughs> you must be Anders, isn't it? Uh, my name's... Oh, never mind. Good. I think it's time for us to be a bit more honest with one another. Listen, you two, I'm going to make this very simple. I need a favor from you both. Oh, a favor. A favor, you say? She kind of pulls herself back in, but she, she lets the displeasure known. You see, we're conducting a bit of research, and we need a few volunteers for project that is very near and dear to us. Isn't that right, Sunday? Sunday just sort of nods silently. And we felt after reviewing your files that both of you might be well suited. Caro is not impressed. <laughs> but she kind of, you know, wryly is like, well, I guess it would be rude to refuse, but counteroffer because I have a horrible feeling about all this. I mean, I'm not saying, I'm not trying to assume the worst or anything, but I have a horrible feeling that this research project of yours will require us to give quite a lot. Is that about right? The organization asks much from us. You're speaking very vaguely, but then I'm a fine one to talk. Is it, is it kind of in the region of time or a literal arm and a leg? He kind of laughs at that. You're more astute than you seem, but now I'll take that as a compliment. It's just a bit of research. It will only take you one evening, in fact. This evening. This evening? What time? Oh, it's hard to tell, but it starts at 8pm, goes perhaps a few hours, maybe. Right, and this will happen at the research facility we saw on the tour? Yeah, just go over there. There'll be someone right. there to meet you. Alright, there, there are toilets nearby? Oh, don't worry about that sort of thing. Alright, okay. Could you, by chance, tell us any more details about this project so near and dear to you? <sighs> right, well... You know a little something about secrets, don't you? Mm-hmm. Well, since you brought Sunday Grant all the way out here to come and say hello, uh, I'm guessing we have no choice, isn't that right, Anders? You always have a choice. Do we? He says this with a certain amount of gravitas. Like, it's like, not just a statement he's making, but it's sort of a, a philosophical point. Yeah. Hey, Sunday. And she just sort of, like, waves at him. Does Jasmine know about this? Luca sort of laughs, and she's like, she knows what she must, as we all do. I had a feeling you'd say that. Uh, so, hypothetically, if at this juncture I was to say, no, I'd rather not help you for reasons that are my own, what would happen next? 
Oh, no matter what you do, I expect we'll be spending quite a bit of time together. But if you were to tell me no, I would accept that like an adult and move on with my life, I suspect. Hmm. It's alright if I discuss with my colleague. Would that be okay? Would that be acceptable? I will pretend that I'm not listening to you. Right. I see. Yeah, this is quite a day, Anders. Uh, my thoughts are... We maybe hold off because of reasons and stuff that may have been discussed prior to this. Or... You go in my stead? I'm just putting it out there. You don't have to, but I'm just putting it out there because um, I have a horrible feeling he's going to make us an offer we can't refuse at some point or another. So what are your feelings? Thoughts? Anything? If either of us goes to this thing, I think both of us should go. Yeah, you're, you're right. Okay. Well... We, we were so impressed by the research facility on the tour, weren't we, Anders? We should probably say yes to this and then figure out the finer details later on. Yeah. Anders looks over to Sunday, and it's like he's trying to measure whether or not he could throw a knife into her throat before oh. she could draw a gun and shoot. He's rolled snake eyes about 15 times at this point, so he's just <laughs> sort of like shrugs his shoulder. It's great to hear that you'll be joining us tonight. Oh, I thought you weren't listening. But yes, we will We'll join you tonight, so long as we can also go back and have a little nap afterwards, and not a permanent nap, I mean. Oh, we need you here. I had a feeling you'd say that. And Sunday takes a small device out of her pocket, like a little small version of the tablets that the other guys are using, and she hits a button, and the door swings open again. Have a nice day. Do all of you have that? Or never mind. Yeah, you're beautiful people, or whatever they say. Have a nice day. I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon enough. And like, Caro just leaves. No second looks, just leaves. To open up your quest log really quickly before we continue. Yeah. Helen Doyle was trying to get your attention, and you have turned her down at least for now. So. There's going to be. (laughs) You still have two choices, potentially, because at 9 p.m., you're supposed to meet someone in front of the infirmary. Or at 8 p.m., you need to be at the research facility. It's probably like four o'clock in the afternoon now, so you can either spend a little time. You can do whatever you want, actually, but only one big thing before we move the clock tonight. Oh, okay. Right, I think Caro should share quietly, away from possible prying ears, share her plan with Anders. And her plan is that, you know, she doesn't want to piss off Luca because he has a transdermal pain box. And um, she did not like that very much, no sir. Um, And she does not really want to experience that again. But also she wants to see what this nine o'clock meeting is about. And she's kind of like... Can we, like, stage a toilet break that goes on a little too long? (laughs) Do we think that is a possibility, or should Caro just turn up fashionably late to the research facility and risk that? We can try either. I mean, I don't really like that guy very much. I don't either. Yeah, I could see why you wouldn't. 
and the fact that Sunday knows that we're here, that doesn't seem great either. No. I have a feeling that the more we say no, the more repercussions there will be for us, so we might as well smile as long as possible and play house as long as possible, that we try and cause as little inconvenience to ourselves. And I mean, at this rate, we might learn something about their research, we might have something to report back. But also, I'm just curious, someone didn't want to come up right up to me and say, hey, I need to meet you, let's meet later. And like, also in front of the infirmary of all things, the heavily guarded infirmary, like, I'm just curious, I, maybe this is, you know, curious, curiosity killed the cat, but also satisfaction brought it back. Um, so, I still want to do that meeting, and maybe I'm being too ambitious, but I want to do both. Alright, so how do you want to split this up? Um, I was thinking kind of, she would go to research and then, through some means, depart from research briefly to see who wants to Oh, this to is so her. exciting. Oh, this is really and, exciting. I did not expect return, her to do this. <laughs> like, hopefully no one would be any of the wiser, because she'd play it off as like a Oh god, I'm going to faint, or I need the loo. Yeah, I mean, that could work. But, if I'm not able to bring you with me, then what? Can you create a distraction? Can you give me some breathing room? Like, I think it's a bad idea for us to be separated, but that's going to look less suspicious me excusing myself for a bit than both of us excusing ourselves for a while, like... Yeah, I can create a distraction. I'm pretty good at distractions. This is why we work well together, my friend. If I'm gone a while, like, what? how long is too long? Because I don't know who I'm meeting. Uh, okay. Right. 15 minutes. No, no, no. 20 minutes tops. 20 minutes tops. If I'm not back in 20 minutes, either something really interesting has happened or uh, something very, very bad has happened. Okay. The goal here is to be in and out as quick as possible and try and do as much as possible in the time we're given but not to arouse suspicion and also not to leave you too long on your own either because I don't know we don't know so uh, yeah let's play it like a Michigan Mamba refresh my memory yeah like a Michigan Mamba you see what's gonna happen is every five minutes we're gonna send one of the risk management binaries you're gonna go start with 000 then it goes 001 so on and so forth down the line and by the time we hit one, 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 if you're not back, then I'll know things have gone wrong. I guess I could also text you. Uh, like she's she's just kind of like looking at him blankly and like trying to contribute to the conversation, but doing a bad job. <laughs> yeah, but if you text me and they take my phone, then they'll see text and then it'll make sense to them, and that'll be a real problem, don't you think? Yeah. Uh. Mishkin Mamba or whatever it was called. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not sure I fully understand, but let's do it your way. I mean, like, I love the Michigan Mamba. We'll do it. It'll be fine. Oh, this is really exciting. I'm very excited about how this turns out. So I'm going to give you an opportunity, and I'm going to let you just do this with a straight roll. With your phone on hand, you can kind of get to the docking bay, the loading dock, that is, retrieve a piece of equipment. If you fail at this role, I'm gonna give you a choice and it's not gonna be a good one. Oh goody, go on then. <laughs> or you could just not go if you don't think you need anything. Oh. Cause Anders has some knives on his person at any given moment, right? Anders has two throwing knives and one knifey knife. 
Is there anything Caro could borrow? All right. Uh, I could give you a knife. You're not just going to, like, slice your finger off, right? Because these are real sharp. Like, real, real sharp. Uh, do you have anything a little smaller, easier to conceal? He's got nothing. All he's got on him is his knives and the phone. Um, what could go wrong? Oh, and, like, she puts her hand out to receive the knife. So he slips one of the throwing knives away from his boot, and he hands it to you, and... She definitely cuts her thumb. Like, not badly, but she definitely, like, cuts her thumb. She's like, oh, it's fine, I'm fine. This is gonna be great. Okay, so we did not go down to Loading Dock, and Anders is like, no, he has no reason to. He's in the safe part of this mission. It seems too risky. Um... Let's get this show on the road. So 7.30 comes around. Everyone is packed into the rec center, the area of the rec center that gray cloaks, I'm going to call them cloaks, are allowed to be in. And everyone looks real uncomfortable because they have said nothing about the murder. They have not said a single word about the murder in this entire time. Now we have to decide how we're going to do this. Okay... We need to be heading to that research facility, don't we? Yeah, sooner rather than later. Kara at the back of her mind is kind of like, oh, but I could sow the seeds of doubt and I could maybe start a riot and maybe that would give them something to deal with too. But she also is like, nah, maybe, maybe not this early on. But she'll just tuck that in her back pocket. So yeah, no, she's happy to get moving. Okay, so you go through the door and you find that your little wrist keys allow you to get through these doors leading to the research facility, which is unusual because what you've noticed. No, yeah, I mean, like for now, I guess. What you notice is that people can't really even get out of the rec center right now. And you walk into the research facility and there's almost no one here. It looks oh. like everyone has kind of gone home for the oh, night. Thank God. <laughs> but there are a few people that you recognize. Ooh. You recognize Valerie Yoshida. Oh. Um, oh. Okay. And you recognize Kay, the android. Mm. And you recognize Sylvester. Oh. And Sylvester is wearing a white lab coat. And he's holding a tablet in his hand. And when he sees you, he offers this cold, kind of caustic smile. Hmm. Fancy seeing you again. I told you that we'd meet again, didn't I? Yeah. Hey, how's it hanging? Uh, do you know this guy? Uh, we're briefly acquainted, yes. Cool. Um, I know what your name is. Yeah, okay. I'm glad that everyone has joined us tonight for a bit of research that we're conducting into... Well, I think sometimes experiments speak for themselves, so let's have a little conversation, shall we? We're in the business of figuring out what it means to be a human being here. And oftentimes we speak about that in broad, abstract strokes of ethics and the way we think and feel and react to the world. But sometimes we need to get to the meat of things. 
And tonight's experiment is a little bit of that. About 30 minutes has passed so far. And he looks like he's about to gear up to kind of get into the the meat and potatoes of things. Now, if you will, all of you, I need you to join me in this next room. Okay. What does the next room look like? Do you go with him to the next room? Uh... Is this a room I can come out of again? Is there like a big lock on the door? Is there... It's a definitely a biometrically locked door like all the others. Okay. I mean, it's only 8.30, so Carol will follow along uh, for now, but she's got, she's got one or two things tucked in her back pocket, so to speak. You go into a room, and the room is lit by fluorescent lights and... It seems like a staging area, right? Like, that's what it feels like. And in fact, it feels a little bit like some of the staging areas that you would find in sort of like a training ground in risk management. And he leads you all to your seats. You, Anders, and Valerie are sitting on one side. And then on the other side, Kay and two other androids who you don't know. Okay. All right. New faces, new friends. I'd like you to introduce yourselves to one another, if you will. Uh, Names are fine. Please, go ahead. She just gestures vaguely at anyone else. (laughs) My my name's Valerie Yoshida. My name's Seth Armsford. Sylvester kind of gives, sort of uh, rolls his eyes. And I'm Izzy. Nice to meet you. I am Kay. I am Kyle. And I am Karen. Cool. Great. Now that that's done, let's get to handing out the equipment for today's test. And he goes over to a side closet and he opens it and he takes out a bunch of dark gray boxes, like hard cases. And he, he hands each of you one of the dark gray hard cases and he um, goes back to where he's standing and he pulls out his tablet and he starts marking things down. If you would open those for me so we can begin. Uh, Caro waits for either Anders or Valerie to open up theirs before she opens up hers. (laughs) Anders opens his pretty immediately and it is a firearm. Ah! Yeah, no, Carrie then opens up hers. Give me a knowledge roll of 12. Oh, boy, okay. Ooh. Oh, I, I have knowledge 5 and the d10 rolled a 10, so that's 15 total. <laughs> There's something wrong with this gun. Okay. And you don't know exactly what's wrong with oh. it. There's something very wrong with this gun. All right, then. Now, if all of you will go through that door on your left, um, we can get started. Well, I guess before that, I should give you a briefing. Here's how this will work. This is a test of reflexes. Um, We are going to use these props. Let's call them props for, for now. To test whether your organic reflexes can match your inorganic cousins, let's say. And... 
Think of it like laser tag or paintball. We're going to break you up into two teams and you're going to move through a maze and you're going to find each other and you're going to zap each other with your props. And then the last team standing wins, I suppose. Uh, okay, is that, is that it? Is that it? Is there anything else we should know? No, I think, I think that's fine. But oh. just last, last team standing wins, right. Are there any points? Is there a point system? No, there's no point system. This is an experiment. I'm going to be measuring your speed. I'm going to be measuring your heart rate, your blood flow, all sorts of different things that are not really of consequence to you. There's one more thing, though. And Sunday Grant enters the room along with a larger android, a android who is, you, you don't recognize, but it sort of like carries himself with sort of a more military bearing. Uh... Yeah, so Miss Grant and Kieran will be joining us today. Think of them as controls. They both have some experience with this sort of thing. Cool. Good to know they're there. And Sunday takes a seat next to you, and Kieran takes a seat next to the androids. So what do you do? It's five minutes to nine. Okay, right. So the way I was going to play this was that she would, you know, go along with it up to a point. So like, are they expecting the test to commence where they're sat or away in another room? So it's going to be through the door on your left. Okay. So when people kind of rise to move towards the room, I guess, like, you know, Carol will go, wrong, uh, go along up to a point where she then breaks out her fabulous actress skills and, you know, walk. she's walking fine until suddenly, like, she just, the gun slips out of her hand. And then she goes, oh, I don't, I really don't, uh, I don't, I don't feel so good. Give me a social kind of, of nine. Oh dear. Oh, thank God. Okay, I rolled a nine, and my social is five, so that is fourteen total. So, Sylvester looks over to you and rolls his eyes once again, and he points to Anders. It's like, help her up, please. Yeah, sorry, sorry, beautifully. I really, can I just, to the loo, I, I feel like I'm gonna barf and faint and everything at once. Yeah, I'm sure. Okay, fine, we can wait for you. Thanks. He doesn't even pay any attention, he just taps a button on his pad and he opens, and the door opens. Oh, thank god. Alright, so yeah, she keeps up the act until they're, like, out of earshot, out of sight, um, and until they're, like, basically out of research and kind of heading towards the infirmary. Your phone uh, buzzes. Oh, okay. And you have a text from Anders that says zero, zero, zero. Right, cool. All right. Showtime! <laughs> okay, so you're heading straight to the infirmary? Yeah, like she's gonna... I, I, I don't feel like I fully understand like the whole move that Anders described. And I don't feel like Carrie would fully understand either, so like she can text back like zero zero one. <laughs> cool. Yeah, no, then you understand it perfectly. We'll, oh, see how, we'll see how that holds up though. 
so you your key works, which makes you think that maybe it's whatever privileges you've been granted are on kind of a timer rather than right. like being for specific doors. And it gets you to the hallway leading up to the infirmary. Give me a strength roll of 10. Oh, this is where it all goes to pot. My strength is a flat one, uh, but my D10, that's four total. That is four total. So almost instantly as you step into the hallway, someone grabs you and drags you into a nearby closet-like area. But because you have failed so spectacularly, you can't do anything about this. I can't even reach for my knife. All right. Nope. You can't do anything. Great. Quiet, 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 quiet! I wasn't saying anything. Now you are. So she makes a gesture to be like, well, okay, then talk. I'm so glad you're here. She makes another gesture like, can I talk now? Are you talking? What's going on? Wait, you're, you're, you're Izzy, right? Izzy? She gives a thumb up. Okay, good, good, good. He lets go of you and... He turns you around and you see kind of a short, sort of mousy guy. Looks a little stocky. Well built, but maybe a little round around the edges. He looks really flighty. He's got this like very weird kind of like eh, expression about him. Okay. Do I know you? Uh, I don't know, do we? (laughs) Can I I talk? Can I talk? Is that okay now? Is it okay for now for me to talk? I mean, while we're in here, you can talk, but you... Cool. But What's this about, Caps? Do I... Do I know you? I don't know. I mean, I guess there's probably some, like, nine degrees of separation or something, but... Uh, huh. Because the higher-up said that I recruited you. I'm, I'm Mickey Larson. Oh! Mickey! Right! I, I didn't recognize you. It was so dark and you had your hand over my mouth. I, I Actually, you have one of those faces. I'm, I'm not sure if we have met. Maybe maybe I was thinking of someone else. I, I'm really bad with names. I'm, I'm sorry if I caused you any trouble. Wait, you don't know who I am, do you? Should I? Social DC 12. Ah... <laughs> uh... <laughs> Okay, social is a five. Uh, the D10 says three. So that's six, seven, eight. Total. Nope. Wait a second here. You have no idea who I am, do you? There was no way I could have recruited you. I, I haven't done recruiting in months. I mean, I don't want them to know that, but I haven't. Well, then I helped you out, didn't I? What do you want? Oh, okay. We're going to be friends, I think. We are going to be good friends. Get to the point. Anders sends you a text message. It says zero one zero. Zero one zero. Okay. Uh. uh sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, is it alright if I just check my phone? It's literally just to text my buddy in the research facility that I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, whatever. That's fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so she texts back. Just literally. So Anders texted one zero one or. Z- Zero. zero. So it was zero. I, I just really want to know if you can you, you can do this. It was zero zero zero, then zero zero one, and now it's zero one zero. Zero one zero. Okay. So is it one zero zero? Question mark. Question mark. Question mark. It's zero one one. 
Damn. <laughs> That's okay. You text zero one one, or you can text one zero zero. I think that it, either one works for me. Um. Yeah. No. I. I'd still think Caro would doubt herself and second guess and text the incorrect message with lots of question marks. Awesome. Mickey's like, okay. I really just called you down here to see your face because I. I. Sometimes I forget time. I lose time sometimes. And I was wondering whether or not maybe we met and I just didn't remember that we met. But now that I know that you are not who you say you are, um, I think I think we're going to be fast friends. Uh, I, I've got a favor I need to ask. A little favor. A little favor. Everyone seems to be asking me favors recently. What's yours? Um, so I need you to help me get into the infirmary. You want to get into the infirmary? Ooh. I'm not sure who you think I am, mate, but isn't that, like, really heavily guarded, like, all the time? Yeah, but, yeah, you were a good enough actor to get in here, weren't you? Yeah, but, like, there's a difference between getting in here and getting into the infirmary when you don't need it. Like... Oh, don't worry. I've got a plan. Right. Um, what does this plan consist of? Well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend like... And it is obvious he has no plan. In fact, give me a knowledge roll of, like, seven. Okay, knowledge roll of seven. So my base knowledge is five, and with a d10, uh, six, seven, eight. This guy looks like he's coming off of something. Like, this guy looks like he's barely there he's like his eyes are moving in ways that don't look right his hands are shaking there's something real wrong with him and he just sort of stands there it's like don't worry i'll come up with something i'll come up with something all right all right all right right mate mate i'm not here to judge but i'm guessing you're in need of something to make you feel better yeah yeah no quite desperately I'm, i'm guessing I mean, I wouldn't call it that. I mean, I'm just, I need, like, listen, they're going to kick me out of this place. They're going to kick me out of this place if they find out. They're not going to find, they're not going to find out. They're not going to find out. They're not going to find out not only that you didn't recruit me, but not about the other stuff too. Right. I'm hoping, you know, by saying that you recruited me, I've bought you a little bit of time. Yeah, I mean, that that really helped, but but what would help me a, a whole lot more if you get me get me into the infirmary get you into the infirmary or get something from the infirmary to you yeah yeah that would help right okay give me a perception of 13 <laughs> uh grace of 2 plus a d10 oh that's still not enough though I rolled an 8 uh, my grace is 2 so that's 10 oh man I, I was hoping it was a near hit but it doesn't matter oh wait, that is not a near hit <laughs> yeah yeah it doesn't matter you don't see anything it's like yeah I mean I guess that would work too if you could get something out for me that would be good Anders sends you a text message with 101 101 uh my kid sister knows binary, I don't. <laughs> no, you're um, good. Is, yeah, no, I mean, I'm guessing because Kara's a hacker, she would hopefully twig on by this point that that's yeah. binary. 
Uh, so let's just say she texts the correct code with a smiley face. Cool. Now he's standing there. It's like, yeah, no, if you could, if you could get something out of there for me, that would be great. That would be great. That would be great. Okay. Okay. Two but I kind of need it now. You need and, it now. And and I really hate to do this to you, but um, I know you done me a little favor, even though I'm sure it wasn't to do me a favor because we don't know each other. But I've still done you a favor. I, I agree, but um, if if you don't do this for me, um, I'm gonna have to maybe maybe tell a couple people that I I I might have to tell some people some things. What things? Just just so I know what's on the table. That you don't belong here. That I didn't recruit you. And and yeah, you're you're gonna threaten me after this. I know you're gonna threaten me. But let me just say that. Oh, I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't dream of it, friend. I wouldn't dream of it, my friend. They might try to fix my problems, but they they're not going to try to fix this problem. If no one recruited you, you don't belong here. They will they'll kick you out. They'll kick you right out. Mm. And you need this thing right now. Right now, Mate, I. You've caught me at a really bad time. Um, if I was with my partner, like I'm sure we could rustle something up for you. But right now, you've caught me in the middle of something. Any other time, I'd be happy to help. But like right now, you've not given me a lot to work with. 24 hours. Told- 24 hours. That changes things. So 9 p.m. tomorrow night. You won this by. 9 p.m. tomorrow. <sighs> right. First of all, what is the exact thing you want? And how much of it do you want? He wants something called Alanide B. Alanide B. Right. And how much do you want of it? And what units does it come in? You'll, you'll find like a couple of ampules in there. Right, ampules. Okay. Uh... And the more the merrier, but not too much to raise suspicion, I'm guessing. I mean, whatever you can get. Right, so... Whatever I can get of... What was it again? Alanide B. Alanide B, okay. Well, either I'll see you around here at 9pm tomorrow, or before, or I won't, and then you can do what you like. But I'm going to have to discuss this with my colleague, and we might see you a little bit sooner than 9pm tomorrow. But don't hold out hope for it. Is there anywhere in particular during the day I can find you if I need to speak with you for more information, or what have you? If you need me, um, I'll be I'll be in your rec area for most of the day tomorrow. You'll find me. You'll find me fine. Right. I'll be the only person in a green robe. Right. Okay. Well, at least you'll be easy to find then. And you can't get into the infirmary because you don't have access or because they you're not let, ill? They don't let anyone in there if they're not ill. Or, you know. Hmm. I see. Yeah, no. Right. All right. You Go get on. a text message from Anders that says 111 with like five exclamation points next to it. Uh, okay. Uh... I text back, 111 on my way is like, cool, right, I'll talk to my colleague, but if we do this favor for you, there's no guarantee we can do this favor again, just so you know. I'm not committing to further favors after this, I'm committing to possibly this one. We'll call it even after this. I think we'll be even. Right, cool. Anna and I'd be. A couple of ampules. 
see you when I see you. Bye. And she just kind of like likes it. <laughs> so Ask Travel sends you back to the seat with the rest of them. And everyone, especially Sylvester, looks really put off. And Sunday Grant looks up at you and she's like, you've taken your sweet time to get here. Sorry, I just, for the longest time, I thought I was going to throw up, so I just, I hugged the toilet seat like there was no tomorrow, and just, I'm so sorry. I'm fine. I didn't throw up. I'm fine now. I feel a million times better. I'm so sorry. Sylvester is like, are you sure you're ready for this test, then? Oh, yeah, yeah, it just, it just happens sometimes, you know, family problem, low blood pressure, like, it happens occasionally, but I'm fine now, it's passed. Get your case, and let's get this over with. Cool! So, do you go through the door? Bringing up the rear, yep, sure, why not? <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> Before I even start, I want you to give me two rolls. I want oh, you... goody. I want you to give me a... Perception and a knowledge of 10. Oh. Do the perception first and then the knowledge. Okay, so grace flat, that's two. With the d10, that's, that's eight again. So I got 10 for grace total. Uh, my knowledge flat, five. Roll the d10, that's a one. So my knowledge is total six. So the grace was 10, knowledge is a, however a six. So because of your perception, you notice as you're walking, it feels like the floor is moving uh-huh. in a very subtle way. And you can tell by looking around that you're not walking with the group anymore, but it feels like, like it looks like you're walking with the group. But because of a, a series of cleverly placed mirrors, you're actually like moving in a direction that's very different than the one previous. And if you were to turn back, the path leading back to that little staging area, you know that it's not going to take you back there right now. Ooh, this is some Silent Hill level design here. I love it. <laughs> so, you know that, but you missed the second roll, the knowledge roll. Yeah. 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 So you have no, like, all you know is that walking forward is going to take you somewhere. And it looks like you're walking with the people who you were with before, but you have a feeling that you aren't really. Do you keep walking? Do you do anything? Right, so, I guess it makes sense to keep walking, but also that gun looks wrong and I don't like how my perception is being messed with. When a firearm looks wrong, that's bad news. I have this horrible, like, feeling that maybe Caro should discharge the firearm away from everyone to, like, the floor or something, but make it look like an accident that she's she's aiming for the floor. She wants to kind of see, like, is this a real gun? Could this cause some damage? If it could cause some damage, I want to know exactly where I'm aiming. So, Sylvester told you that you would be walking through a maze, okay. and then you would you were working as a team with Sunday Grant, Anders, Valerie Yoshida, mm. and yourself against yeah. K, Kieran, um, and two other androids whose names begin with K. Yeah. <laughs> Karen and like yeah Karen oh, and I, I'm gonna call him Kyle <laughs> yes. I think that was the one actually yes I remember that so Kieran Kyle Karen, Karen. and Kay, Kay against Sunday Grant Valerie Yoshida 
you and Anders. So that's what he told you, that there will be a maze and that you're going to find each other and that you're testing your reflexes. So the hallway's eh, wide-ish, but not too wide. And it's really hard to tell, get a sense for where people are, but you do sort of see Anders in the distance somewhere and you see like Sunday Grant walking through places, but it's dark in here and your sense of like where people are is very weird. So if you're pointing the gun at something, yeah, you got to tell me where you're pointing the gun. Literally kind of down at the ground, at her feet, away from everyone else, just in case. Like she's trying to kind of obviously not shoot herself in the foot, but kind of like discharge the firearm away from anyone it could possibly hurt she hopes unless it's that unless it's a really kind of weird maze i'm having like proper flashbacks to that one palace in persona 5 you know the one um Mm -hmm. but yeah sorry no spoilers for our dear listeners but (laughs) so are you gonna pull the trigger oh here goes nothing you hear a thunk sound and a needle like a dart comes out of the end of the gun. Oh. Hmm. Is it like a medical needle with like... Yeah, like you recognize this immediately. You recognize it as a tier 305 sweet release dart gun. Sweet release. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound friendly at all. It's not. This is a militarized dart handgun used typically to deliver things that people don't want inside of their body to the inside of people's bodies. Oh. Well, that's not good. Uh, can she see how much ammo she has left? You look to the side of it, and there's a sort of digital display that shows that you have two. Well, that was a risk I was was willing to take, wasn't it? Well, at least I know. Oh, God. I know that this place doesn't look as it is, uh, but I don't know anything more. And if I go back the way I came, there's no guarantee I'm actually going to get out of there. Uh, It seems like the only real option is to play the game and try not to die or be poisoned or have any other foul fate befall her. Ooh, Anders is like off in the distance. There's no guarantee that she can get anywhere near Anders. And like, if she got, does get near Anders, I have this horrible feeling that- Are you contemplating, probably... are you contemplating all of this? In her mind, I'm contemplating this aloud. But have to... you like stopped moving? You, you aren't moving right now, right? Oh gosh, I'm gonna regret this so much, but it is fair to say, so that I'm not metagaming, that, yeah, she's kind of considering her options, and maybe she's stopped a little longer than she should. You hear a bang. Mm. I don't need you to roll, because you recognize instantly that this is a gun. Like, a honest-to-goodness gun firing. Uh... Oh, that's, that's not good. Time to move. Time to move. No more considerations. Time to get the heck out of here. Yeah, she's she's kind of panicking. She's like, "All right, move, move, not here, but not stay here. Move, move forward." Eventually, you find yourself being spit into a room that is covered on all sides with glass, and there are three entrances to this room. 
and you were the last person to come to the uh, to oh, get there. Of course I am, because I took too long considering my options. Okay. <laughs> so standing in front of you is Kay and Valerie Yoshida. Oh no. And as you step into the room, the doors close behind you. Oh, great. So far, nothing else is happening. Do you do you talk to them? Uh, Caro, like, raises her arm. She's still holding the firearm, but she's, like, raising her arms up and kind of like, right, okay, let's not do anything stupid, guys. Let's not make any sudden movements. Let's just chat. Let's just chat for a while. Valerie's like, I think I heard a gunshot. Did you, did you hear a gunshot? Yeah, I heard it too. That's why I think we should not make any sudden decisions, make any sudden actions. I think we should talk and just work together because that didn't sound right, did it? Kay is like, I don't understand what is happening right now. Kay, I'm going to need you to listen to me and to not make any sudden movements. Is that okay? I have no reason to move. Cool. And you're going to tell me before you do move, right? If that would make you happy. That would make me very happy, but don't actually move, okay? Give me a perception of eight. Oh, okay, so Grace is a flat two. Roll the d10. I got a ten on the d10, so that is twelve. There's something wrong with your gun. There's something real wrong with your gun. And there's a part of you that feels like you remember something now. Oh dear. Here we go. You remember that you were in that hallway for two minutes longer than you believe that you were. Ooh, okay. You remember Thanks. that when you fired that weapon at the ground, that you actually hit yourself in the foot. Oh no. You remember that you hit the ground after that, and you remember waking up, but you can't remember what happened between them because you were unconscious. But now the gun does not feel right to you. Oh, no. They know that I know whatever I know. Uh, So, uh, this gun is probably useless, I'm going to guess. Hmm. Your sense as a person who has fired firearms before is that this gun still has weight to it, but it doesn't feel quite like the one you had previously. You could do a knowledge roll, but if you do this knowledge roll to figure out what's going on with this gun, a time step is going to pass. Something's going to happen. Okay, uh, I am going to switch guns with the android. I'm just going to instinctively like, hmm. Oh wait, so you're asking Kay to switch guns? I'm asking Kay very politely, would you switch firearms with me? Oh, that's a really interesting choice. Okay. You were not assigned this weapon. Uh, well, uh, I wasn't assigned your weapon, but the one I'm holding, I don't think I was assigned originally either. That seems I don't feel unlikely. this game is very fair anymore. Why do you believe that? It's a gut feeling. I could explain in more depth if you'd like. Valerie breaks in. What, what, what are you doing? Valerie, like, if you don't trust me, that's fair enough. But let's just say I have a hunch, and my hunches are 99.9% 
accurate, I'd like to think, generously. Um, I but just... What, what are we doing here? I'm getting scared. Valerie, you are well within your rights to be scared. I'm a little bit scared, but let's not panic. We we just need to find out more information. We need to see if we are, you know, if, if we need to panic. But right now we don't have information, so what's the point in worrying? You hear another gunshot go off. Ooh, I don't like that. Valerie, uh, hold on tightly to your firearm for the time being. Uh, I just, I just want to test a theory. Well, test, uh, is it test a hypothesis and see if I can make that a theory? I don't really I just... care right now. That was a gunshot. I know that was a gunshot. Yes, so I'm trying to test something to see if we can get out of this alive. Do you trust me? No, I don't trust you. Why would I trust you? I'm on your team, aren't I? Are we even on the same team? Yes, I don't want to die. You don't want to die. I think we're on the same team. That sounds like very good logic. You don't want to die either, do you, Kay? That would be more difficult. Exactly. So, Kay, I'm asking you very politely, would you please kindly switch firearms with me? I want to try something. Would that make you happy? That would make me happy. Without any hesitation, he just hands you his weapon. Thank you, Kay. You've been very helpful. Please take my firearm and hold on to it, but don't use it right now. These are just prop weapons. I had a feeling you'd say that. Um, Kay, could you aim at the floor? Be careful not to hit your feet, because I made that mistake. Could you aim at the floor and discharge the weapon? I'm going to stand on the other side of the room, here with uh, a good friend, Val. Give me a social uh, six. <laughs> okay, social is a flat five. Uh, six, seven, eight. We were not instructed to discharge these weapons as of yet. As of yet? Okay, um, but... It sounds like someone's discharging their weapon in the distance. Maybe we didn't hear the the order to discharge our weapons? I believe they received their instructions. So, are you saying you want to wait until you receive a f- instruction from someone that isn't me? We are here for an experiment, are we not? Right, okay. Kay, uh, just hold on to the weapon for now. Don't discharge it yet. And if you are asked to discharge it, please don't aim it at me. A uh, voice comes over a speaker. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it seems that our final team has assembled. Oh, all right. Uh, let's get on t- with it then. I need you all to point those weapons at one another. Oh, it is gosh. your choice who you point your weapon at. And at the count of five, we're going to pull the trigger. I don't like this at all. <sighs> Kay, do you have any objections to me pointing this at you? I think that that's a bad idea. You think it's a bad idea? Now, why do you think it's a bad idea? He looks very nervous. You look very... Alright, okay. And how would you feel if Valerie pointed her weapon at you? Valerie's pointing her weapon at you. Oh. But I'm asking hypothetically. (laughs) I would not like that. I would not like that at all. Kay looks increasingly nervous. All right, we're going to do this on a 10 count. I'm going to give you a little 
time to situate yourselves. The cameras seem to show that you're not quite ready yet. But if you don't get yourself organized, I will just have to start the countdown without you. Great, Val, I would prefer it if you didn't aim it at me. Uh, just saying. I, I think I understand what's going on here. Yeah, don't don't say it aloud. Just just do what you think is right. Just don't. I, I, aim I think it it's at right me. that I aim it at you. I, I think that's. Oh. I, I think that's. You know where we are, right? You you understand where we are. Why can't you aim it at K though? Why can't you? Why do you have to? Aim if I say it, it out loud, I might get it wrong. You might get it wrong. Okay. So, could you still aim it at K without saying anything? She shakes her head like. If you want to get this out of her, it's going to take a social of 12. Okay, you don't want to talk. God. Can I, like, I hate that I'm considering this, but can Caro, like, pistol whip her? Yeah, you could try that. Oh, man, that's exciting. Val, you're not giving me a lot of options, and I, I don't want to make you do anything you don't want to. Hey. That's not what this is about. You know that's not what this is about. You you understand what's going on here, right? Kay is not moving. He's just sort of like shaking. What do you do? I will deal with the robot later, but Val is like, what do you mean this is about? You don't have to speak directly. Is there anything you can say? Did someone ask you to point this weapon at me specifically? They never ask you to do anything. They tell you, huh? They... You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. You don't get it. There's something that you remember, you are trying to remember. Give me a knowledge roll of eight. Oh, okay. Oh, my hands are all clammy, man. <laughs> oh, I got ten total. I got five on the d10 and my knowledge is five, so that's ten total. Cool. You remember the conversation you had with Valerie Yoshida in the cafeteria where she said she, where Rana said yes, that she Rana. Fa- failed the last test and how upset Valerie was that she failed the last test and that sometimes they test you and you don't even know you're being tested. Oh, so you remember the, that conversation. You're all running out of time. I, okay. I understand that this is a bit of a hard decision, but we really are on a schedule here. Okay, we're, we're wrapping it up, I swear. We're wrapping it up, omniscient voice. Uh, Valerie, so maybe I don't get it. Can you can you elaborate in any way? I'm like, Carrie is literally just trying to get her to talk so that she has like an in with to just pistol whip and uh, take her so out of the equation. She's just sort of like shaking and she's like, I, I've been trying so hard. I've been trying so hard to, I've been trying so hard. And if I, if, if I fail again, I, I don't know what I'll do. I don't, I, I can't fail again. I can't Why fail can't again. Why can't you fail again? I've been here for months. I, I can't even leave the integration center. Don't, don't you understand? Can Caro try and cut her off like mid-sentence? Just go for it. Just go for it. Pistol whip. Try and like take yeah. her out of the equation. Oh, you totally can. Oh, this is going to go very badly. Like, I'm sorry, Val. Are you doing a takedown? Yes, I'm trying to do a takedown. I'm trying to kind of render her so that she's not going to shoot me. And so that if I have to shoot at someone, I'm not shooting at Val. Um, Strength takedown. 
with a advantage of plus one because she is no, actually, I can't give that to you because she's holding a gun on you. Yep. Uh, ooh, Damn it. Ooh, this is going to be actually a little bit harder because she is pointing a gun at you. Uh, mm. I'm still going to give it to you, but it's a strength takedown with a DC of nine. Oh, I'm wishing I had put more points in strength. Uh, okay, so my strength is one. I need to get a nine or higher on this D10. I got an eight. I got an eight. So that's a total of nine. <laughs> Oh, you got it. Okay, you got a nine, really? Yeah, well, that's like, exciting. I can send you a screenshot if you oh, want. Oh, no, I don't need a screenshot. I was, I'm just wildly surprised. <laughs> so she is shaking and she has this pistol. And this is not a person who is, you know, trained in any way, shape, or form. And Caro just sort of like closes the distance with her and like swings the gun across her face. You hit her hard, and she just drops like a stack of potatoes into the ground, and the gun falls out of her hand. Uh, cool. Uh, I'll pick up that gun. Well, that wasn't very nice of you. It's a lot nicer than the other alternative, I think. Um, so, Kay, now, now I have, now I have two guns. How'd you feel about that? Kay points the gun at Valerie. Really? You're gonna... You Really? This is... I was told to choose someone. You have shown a propensity for violence. I don't want to do this. But I must. I understand, Miss Yoshida. I am like her. I want to be a more beautiful version of myself. And this is the only way to prove that oh but why are you aiming at the unconscious girl why aren't you aiming at the clear and present threat with two guns might I add he doesn't answer you that doesn't seem fair or is the game never meant to have been fair they asked me to make a choice and what choice did you make you see what choice I made. But what does that choice mean to you? Interesting question. Okay. So if this were a Telltale Games, this would be the point where you're sort of, we've like zoomed in on Caro and, and there's like the left choice and then the right choice and everything's like moving in slow motion. Um, awesome. Oh, this is wonderful. You're speaking my language. So... You can convince Kay to point the gun at you, but you are going to have to accept all the consequences thereof. So let's play this out. I don't want to hurt you. But you're okay with hurting Valerie. These are prop weapons. They're not real. But you didn't seem happy about the ones I'm holding. Tick, tick, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I don't really have time for this. I love the impassioned speech, but this is science, people. Come on. Okay, so Caro becomes impulsive and she just discharges one of the weapons towards Kay. Whose weapon? Oh, God. I'm going to regret this, but Valerie's. Interesting. So you're actually firing this weapon. Oh, I'm going to regret this. I'm going to regret this. But yeah, she she's 
becoming impulsive. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want Valerie to be hurt. She doesn't want herself to be hurt. And she also isn't a hundred percent convinced that android sentience is a thing. So she's being impulsive here. Oh, this is fracking amazing. Okay, she okay. is just like, uh, I have to make a choice. I have to make a choice. Like she is. I hate that she's had to do this, but she is like ranking the lives in the room, and it's yeah. She's she's gonna discharge Valerie's weapon towards K. Um, oh, oh, this is amazing. Oh, uh, what am I, I doing? Want... This is bad. This is bad. This is not a good thing, but this is what Carrie would do. Do a DC 10 grace roll for firing for firing the gun. Let's see how you do. Oh, I don't like this. Okay, so DC grace 10. My grace is a flat two. It's a flat two. And I got a 10 on the D10, so that's a 12. I'm so sorry, Kay. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, okay. So here's how this scene plays out using the the skills you have learned in risk management draw and fire valerie's weapon and what happens is you hear a thunk sound the same sound you heard earlier you see a needle fly from the weapon Mm. and it hits k full on in the chest but Mm. it just slides off of his chassis like doing nothing at that same moment k turns the weapon to you and takes a shot. Okay. Right. And oh, I'm so dead. I'm so dead right now. Just give me the bad news. <laughs> the shot misses you. Oh. Uh, and the voice comes back and they're like, well, that was a bit of an anticlimax. <laughs> Oh, well. And the weapon in your hand, you feel something prick you. Oh, no. And you fall to the ground. I made a bad choice. Caro did a bad. Oh, no. And the voice comes back, and they're like, Kay, you know what you must do now. And the last thing you hear as you pass out is a gunshot. No! Oh, that changes things. How the heck am I going to plan for a session after that? (laughs) (laughs) I might not even have a character to come back to. Ooh, you know how to keep an idiot in suspense. (laughs) 